The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting in verse 17. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is God's word. And it is true. This week, some of you may have seen the headline said this. We are all in. This week, the Packer organization announced that they were willing to commit whatever it would take to keep quarterback Aaron Rodgers staying with the Packers, all in. A term typically used at poker tables, when a player takes the entire amount, all they have, and bets it on one hand. The Packers are willing to commit, maybe not all of their chips, but at least 90 million of their chips, half of the amount they have available to pay the entire team on one man. So what leads them? What leads this organization to put so many of their chips or so many of their eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket? It's this belief 
that this man has the potential to lead us from one place 10 years without a Super Bowl victory to another place, the title returning to Titletown. The Jews of Jesus' day were looking to go all in on someone, someone they would call the Messiah, someone who would take them from their present condition and lead them to a new condition, a new place. And the labels given to each of these places were this. Present age and age to come. This life and eternal life. When we hear eternal life, what comes to mind? We can tend to think of harps and angels and heaven and this obscure... We can't quite put our finger on the clouds and what it looks like heaven. That's not how they thought of eternal life. No, age to come or eternal life to the original hearers would be like paradise here on earth, like Eden. That's what eternal life was all about. But it was more than just time periods, present age and age to come. It was about quality of those time periods. Present life, painful. Age to come, pleasure. Present life, sucky. Age to come, sweet. And there were plenty of groups in Jesus' age. They were like timeshare salesmen offering certain solutions to make sure you too could secure a place in the paradise God was planning to bring. Let's have you make a down payment or a deposit on what's to come. Because what you do in life now will help secure what will come later. What you have right now in life is an indicator of what you will have later. Where you are now in life will be a placeholder to where you will be later. This line of thinking is true scripturally. But there's a problem. What if you're going all in on the wrong thing? What if what you're doing to secure what's future is not working? For example, what if you're trying to be a good person so that if there is an eternal life and you have to stand before an eternal God, you're at least not in the same category as some fill-in-the-blank bad guy? And what if that's wrong? What if what you have is not enough for the age to come? What if he who dies with the most toys doesn't win, but instead still dies? What if where you are right now is so far behind where everyone else is? There's no way you could ever catch up. Are you scrambling to find something? Anything that will make you feel like there's hope for you too in the future. What if we're going all in on the wrong things? Packers, Presbyterians, 
people? What if we're going all in on the wrong thing? This age to come, this life eternal, came not in the way anyone in their day and in our present day believed possible. The age to come came through a cross. And in order to secure our place in the age to come, we have to go all in on nothing else, on no one else but Jesus the Christ. So today I want to ask the question, what does it look like to go all in on Jesus the Christ? Let's let Jesus show us through Mark 10 what it means to go all in. Father, help us this morning. Going all in on three things in Mark 10. Going all in on Jesus means loving God with all your heart. It means trusting God above anything. And it means following God at every cost. First, loving God with all your heart. Look with me at verses 17 to 22 of today's passage. It says, man, he runs You notice that he's running to Jesus and he falls at his feet. We don't know why he's running, but his running seems desperate, doesn't it? He's a man of great wealth. We know that he's got a lot of stuff. We know that, but clearly he's not feeling secure in his stuff. What is his all in? We might ask. We see it in his question to Jesus and Jesus's answer. What does he ask? What must I do to inherit eternal life? His all in is law keeping, is doing. He's been to the Pharisees seminar. You too can have a richer life. How? By going all in on the law of God for a place in paradise. You behave yourself and you have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Going all in on the law of God to secure a place in paradise. And Jesus He seems to be giving in to the man with a little bit of a dose of security, doesn't he? When he asks him, what are the commandments? You know the commandments. And he lists all of the horizontal behavioral commandments. Didn't murder anyone. When people say, hey, I've been a good person. I haven't killed anyone. Didn't commit adultery. Didn't defraud anyone. He goes to all of the horizontal commandments and how we care for and love neighbor as ourselves. But notice what commands are not there. Do you see that? There's ten commandments. There's several that aren't there. The first four are not there. What are those all about? Those first four commands are all about loving God above everything else. And what other command is not in there? The last commandment, which is what? Do not covet, which is to be consumed, to want more than what you have with what's in front of you. You want more, you want more than what's in front of you. And what is in front of this man? A good teacher, which Jesus makes sure the man knows is God himself. Why do you call me good? Only God's good. And Jesus looks intently, intensively at this man with love and says, here's what's missing in your command keeping. 
an all-in love for God. So I'm going to help you. Your heart loves what you have worked for more than it loves me. Your heart loves what you have worked for more than you've loved me. So get rid of all of that. Get rid of all of that. And come join me. Have you ever had someone stare intently at you? Have you ever had somebody peer into your very soul? Many of you know my wife and my first date involved looking intently at one another. We were in a research study on the use of silence in the counseling room, and we were paired up to look intently at one another for 20 minutes without talking. You know what I saw in her? You know what she saw in me? It wasn't this starry-eyed stretch of joy and bliss. As we looked at each other intently for 20 minutes, what we saw was brokenness and law-breaking. We saw in each other's eyes what we didn't want the other person to see. Oh, don't look at that. This is what Jesus is asking the man to see. That he's loving other things more than he's loving God. He's doing religion devoid of God. That's partly what the law is there to show us. How we break it. How we don't love it. Our lovelessness. But friends... The life to come comes through a cross where Jesus goes all in on his father's love for any lawbreaker. Where Jesus looks on love with them and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Where Jesus sells all that he has, glory, riches, perfection, a father's love, and gives it to us, poor and needy. He does what he's asking the rich man to do. Give it all up for the sake of the poor. That's what Jesus did. Going all in then for us on Christ means seeing him as the only thing truly and perfectly good in life. Let him look intently at your heart. Let him see your law breaking and your loveless living. Let him look upon you with love like that. Because then, in seeing his love for you on the cross, you will be called to decide, like the man who walked away depressed. Will I be your greatest treasure, or will something else be? What might Jesus ask you to trade in that would reveal what's keeping you from being all in? What might he ask you to trade in that would reveal what's keeping you from being all in? What might grieve you if Jesus said, this is getting between us? Going all in begins with loving God with all our heart. And it continues with trusting God above anything Look now with me at the middle part of the passage, verses 23 to 27. It says that Jesus looks around before he says something to his disciples. We don't see everything he's looking at, but one of the things surely he's looking at when he looks around. 
is the back of the rich man as he's leaving. Someone who called him good, but didn't believe him in faith to be all that good. Jesus says as he's looking around, how hard it is for those who have a lot to be part of this age to come. And the disciples are amazed. They're floored by what he's saying because it's running completely opposite to how they think about things and running completely opposite to our health and wealth view of God. Wealth and health for the disciples and for us are a sign of blessing from God, aren't they? If you have much, clearly you and God are doing something right. If you don't, clearly God might be displeased with you. Jesus cracks a truth joke. He says, Guys, it's easier to push a camel through a teeny tiny hole than for someone making 90 million a year to enter the age to come. Speaks in this strange hyperbole, but it's funny because how easy is it to push a camel through a pinhole? It's not even possible. When we think of camels, what, what comes to mind when you think of a camel? Probably their humps, right? But more than their humps is a camel's efficiency to store in those humps energy to tap into when things get hard. Friends, I, I didn't know this. I learned this. I'm admitting this to you that humps don't hold water, right? They hold fat reserves, energy reserves. They hold fat so that in the desertless places they can, they can actually feed and have fuel. But camels also do drink an enormous amount of water, up to 20 gallons at a time, which gets stored in their bloodstream to keep them hydrated as well. So that's still, that's still the thing. But what do you see in that picture of a camel? It's someone who's trying to stock up on reserves, trying to have like six or seven humps to make sure they can survive when they're faced with hard circumstances. And the religious of the day were banking on keeping the law to a T as a hump to guarantee that they're going to be okay. But they also saw wealth as an indicator that they were on the right track. And they banked on it like another hump as a sign of blessing from God. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, these guys, these rich guys, they're not even going to make it close to the front gates of the age to come because their things are not blessings. Their things are barriers. Humps are actually making it harder to get into heaven. Because the blessings that they have are making them independent, making them secure in their stuff, never in want, having everything they think they could ever need. It's not a blessing, disciples. Their wealth is a barrier. And notice the disciples' anxious reaction in 26. What do they say? Then who in the world could be saved? Who could make it through that narrow opening if not these wealthy people? Who's going to make it through that narrow gate? And Jesus says, no man would ever make it through that narrow gate. Only God could make it through that narrow gate. God is hoping that this passage and that this message might generate some anxiety in you 
to ask you this question that I heard this week. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you'll be with God in the age to come? How sure are you that you have eternal life? 1 to 10. Friends, any number below 10 reveals there's some other measure that you're using besides Jesus to be certain of your salvation. If you answered nine or below, the metric is off. The metric of how many you've led to Christ, the metric of how big your house is, the metric of limited suffering or good health, the metric of your children being good boys or good girls. None of these metrics will bring you security or cause you to answer 10. Only Christ can cause you to say, 10, I am safe, I am secure. We must go all in by trusting Christ above everything. He looks upon our anxiety of giving up these things with care upon the cross. He says, you can give it up. I've got you. Only I can hold you. Let me be your 10 because nothing else will secure you. Jesus made his way through the narrow opening of God's holy perfection. He made his way through that narrow opening. And he says to us, please get on. I can take you through. You can't bring anything else with you. All of those humps, they're not going to save you. Get on my back and come through me. You can't depend on anything else to save you when you stand before the Lord. Have your confidence, have your 10 be closing your mouth at the gate of the age to come, going all in on Jesus, saying, I'm here because the only good one, Jesus, made it possible. Going all in begins with loving God with all your heart, continues with trusting God above everything, and finally following God at every cost. Verses 28 to 31. Peter's response is this. See, we've left everything and followed you. And if you know Peter, you might know what that's all about. Peter's a real anxious soul. He doesn't know what to do with Jesus' saying. And he says to him, look at us, Jesus. I mean, we've left everything to follow you. He needs some reassurance. So this is good, right? What we're doing is good, right? This, this could save us, right? My boat, it's docked at the shore. My wife's at home with the kids while I'm with you. This must count for something in order for us to get ahead, to get closer to what you're talking about. Jesus is so kind to Peter because he assures him and he corrects him at the same time. He knows that his best friend will eventually take up his own cross and suffer for the sake of the one who loved him. Jesus says, there's no one who's left everything. And then he lists every attachment our hearts can have. Left house, 
left brother, left sister, mother, father, kids, or land for my sake and for the Gospels that won't receive so, so, so much more of those things. Notice with me for a second. One thing that's in the first list, but not in the second. What's the one thing that's in the first list, but it's not in the second? Father, you don't need to receive a father in the age to come. Because you already have a father in this present age and in the age to come. You have everything you need in him. A father who gave up his costly son. A son who followed his father at every cost. Taking the lowest and the last place. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Following him to the cost of the cross. Peter, this is why you leave everything. Not to earn brownie points or an approval rating with God. But because you love the Father. Because I love the Father, Jesus says. I left my Father for you because I love you. You will leave all of this because you'll come to know how much he loves you too. See that as I die for you, you will love me and love the Father in return. This age to come economy, it runs so much in counter to our present age. I was talking with someone this week who said this. When I said this, and I, I tried not to laugh and I wasn't going to be cruel, but he's like, when I walk into a room, people naturally will want to follow me. His confidence, his posture, his charisma was the thing that drew people to himself. But what if entrance into the age, of come, of age to come says that we need to follow a little child? That'd be strange, wouldn't it? But scripture says a little child shall lead them. A child completely dependent upon his papa. A papa who said, crush my beautiful, perfect boy. Put him in last place. Put him on a cross so the world might know for certain how much I love the least, the lowest, the leper, the last place. Would you want to follow him? Jesus looks upon the least. He looks upon Peter. He looks upon us, church, and warns us, In verse 30, the Father's will for you, children, will be persecutions with suffering, lots of loss. Until you gain the age to come, it's the way I go and it's the way I'm asking all of you to follow to the last place imaginable, to the cross, to die to yourself so that others might live. The rich are going to hate you. The religious are going to mock you. The world is going to misunderstand you. But the Father is with you and the Father will welcome you home. Friends, Jesus in the gospel will cost you everything. But that's nothing, nothing compared to who you gain. Are you some in with the Father? Are you some in with Christ? Are you all in? What 
might be holding you back? Are your kids more a priority than Christ? Are deadlines more important to you than devotion? Is your home repair higher than your spiritual health? Aaron Rodgers may make 90 million this next year. And you may believe and you may even say he has got it made. But Jesus says in verse 31, the person you are not going to see probably in paradise is an MVP quarterback. It's more likely going to be someone from Lambeau's janitorial staff who cleans up the locker room, who washes their underwear, and who makes minimum wage. But who's completely content with that last place and that lowest place because he's all in on Jesus. Jesus, who loved God because he first loved them. We love him because he first loved us. Jesus, who trusted above any material thing in his father. Jesus, who followed his father at the sacrifice of everything else. That's who we follow. Are you all in? Are you all in? Come follow Christ to the cross. Let's pray.